Hello and welcome to the Two Can Echo podcast. My name is HC Celluloid. My name is JB Celluloid. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll work on our given <laughs> stage names. So monikers? Monikers? Monica? Yeah, monikers, that's a good word. We're coming to you from our gloriously lit living room. The colours we've chosen tonight are red and purple. You won't be able to see this on the video version, unless we take a little selfie as the uh, yeah, we're podcast cover. <laughs> we're probably going to have to. Um, we poured each other a drink, because we felt like it. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing, James? Let's pick this up. Oh, you know, I'm What's okay. New? I'm okay. Um, just, we're really trying to finish off the album right now. Um, I remember how hard this was to do for Walk to Circus, <laughs> and naively thought that I had learnt from that <laughs> process. Because yeah. to be honest, the majority of that album was done by December, and it came out in April. So <laughs> yeah, see, I didn't realise that. I remember. <laughs> oh yeah, because I remember we originally had a release date of the. Uh, it was something like the first of November, twenty twenty eighteen, or something <laughs> ridiculous. And we've both worked as project managers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've I... set just ridiculous release dates. I mean, the release date for this one's come and gone. What, we're we going to do June or something for this one? I think you originally said June. I originally said July. Welcome to August. And it's now August. So, given our current struggles, we thought we'd talk about the creative process and our own experiences with that, our battles mm-hmm. with making and creating something new um, and I don't know are we in a good position to provide advice on that I think for other so. people? I think so <laughs> we've, met, we've finished things we've released an album, an EP a few singles, albums in old bands videos, mm. podcasts we've mm. finished things and I think it's actually partly because we do really strenuous deadlines mm. that uh, we think that we are bad at this but I think we're actually alright <laughs> yeah. at it to be honest. Set too high a standard for each for, for ourselves. A little bit, considering that we're doing it in our spare time at the moment. Yeah. So we'll get into that in a second. But I wonder, James, if there's anything we need to talk about. Any two Kaneko news? Any plugs, updates? Our new single, Blind When I See the Sun, is out on streaming services, um, which I think we referenced in the last podcast. Did we? We we definitely mentioned the name of it. Oh, here we go. Um, so... That's been good. That's been nice to release that to the world. Um, so we, we finished that. <laughs> the audio bit. <laughs> um, so that's new news. Um, we are considering our living situation right now. Yeah. Um, so there could be big shifts coming. Because I know we, we tell the podcast everything. You know, like we talked about when we got roomy and stuff. This is the inner circle. You guys get the, the lowdown. What's actually happening with Tika and Echo? Yeah. The... Uh... The inside street. What's really, yeah, what's really on the streets? What's the lingo? What's the slang? <laughs> um, oh, the slang's too good to get into now. <laughs> I mean, we started with HC and JB celluloid. <laughs> yeah, we did. It, it doesn't even make sense when you explain it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so we're considering what to do after this album's released because we basically want to free up more time, even more time and money and stuff to keep yeah. making music and keep that as a focus. Um, it's a wrestle to do this alongside uh, jobs and or normal jobs, I guess, sometimes. Or abnormal jobs. <laughs> um, yeah. 
So it's a, you know, we might potentially be moving out of London. Watch this space. <laughs> Listen to this space. <laughs> so that's that's what's new. Um, I think that's quite a good segment, James. We should have that in every podcast. Two can. Two can use. Two, yeah. two can. The Daily Echo. <laughs> anyway, I think a good place to start. Back to creativity. That's why we're here for. That's what this is about. Let's talk about the creative process, James. Yeah. What um. I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna, I'm gonna interview you a bit here. Okay, I'll then flip it around and yeah. interview you. When you, uh, okay, how do, let's use songs as an example. How do you, songs, how do you write songs? How, how do they first come to you? How do you materialize oh, a song? could be here all night. Um, it's, uh, it never comes quite in the same way, um, and it's quite a subconscious process. <laughs> So I'd say the most common thing that happens is that as I go around my life, I note things down. So I note down titles. I note down things that people say. And it, I can't really describe it. It just catches something in, in my mind. I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. It's not necessarily like I don't sing it back to them when they say a funny phrase or something. Um, but you notice things in the world around. So it's in films. It's in often in like conversations. Um, just like, I don't know shop fronts like all, all sorts of stuff where you just find a funny bit of language mm. so two parallel processes so that's happening all the time i'm noting things down on my phone is that um, lyrics and things like that yeah so words yeah. lyrics language um if uh i don't know on trains if or whatever like whatever's going on in my life i'll just make like notes and constantly like writing and thinking about stuff um and then in parallel whenever i pick up a guitar and find something that i like like a f section of riff or like I start singing something over some guitar or like it can be anything from just a tiny bit of a guitar riff to a 10 minute just me noodling on guitar but I liked what I mm. the idea so basically there's these two collections of things going on yes yeah, so um, guitar riffs on one side and guitar song ideas yeah me melody music bits and then you've got lyrics and stuff on the yeah. other side um and then usually you merge those together usually when one of them you like enough you dig into the other collection of stuff and and then you try and uh, piece them together into one thing wow that's most of them but then more and more to be honest they're just they just like pop out <laughs> yeah. um so many of the ones recently uh uh just comes straight from my head really like the mu music and words come really close the w one of the weirdest ones is i actually like will just sing gibberish words over like a riff that i like so i'll try and start making what the melody will be like as soon as i can um, but it's very you know these things might be like 10 minutes long and i'm just doing all sorts of ideas and i don't care if i sing something that sounds like a normal song like it's just really open-ended and then i'll often like just listen back to that quite a few times and pick out bits i like and even like mistake uh words that because i'm singing sort of gibberish or making things off the top of my head and then i'll kind of go like oh that sounds like that and i might come up with a weird line just from mishearing myself <laughs> and write a song around that like it's it's a really weird process <laughs> uh, but this is why i find it hard to sometimes explain what they're about because like uh sometimes it's words made up off the top of my head that are like fragments of the song and the rest of the song's like structured to make those make sense or um it's about like five different things and like 
a certain line like means three different things about like I might actually be referring to like a holiday I went on or something. So yeah, chaos, chaos really. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm bad at finishing them. I usually finish them when we're recording them. Is there a particular point in any song that you normally get stuck? Is there any like particular point of the creation of that song that you normally get um, stuck? Yeah, so finishing them sometimes hard. Um, yeah. I'm I could be much better at this because like. I could be better at putting in like bridges or or something that's like like different. Um, usually, it's quite easy to come up with some sort of chorus thing or some sort of verse thing, but to make them flow together, particularly when you're doing this piecemeal like bit of lyrics from here, a bit of this from there, like there is a bit of just playing around until you find something you like. And sometimes the end result, like a few months later, you're like, eh, that feels kind of forced. Those bits weren't really supposed to be together. I tried to put too much into there or not. Um, so usually it's the ones we put in the least effort mm. that come out the best. But, you know, a new song like Ride the River that's on our um, album was absolutely like ball ache. Yeah. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> it was so hard to write and piece together, but I actually do like the end result of it. So, yeah, uh, yeah I don't try and make it too systematic, really. Um, fortunate enough that, like, I can sit down and play guitar and most of the time I'll get one, one or two, like, ideas. Mm. Um, so... Just keep, just keep going. <laughs> um, I forget, but I know this is about like creative struggle. I'm trying to think of if I ever get blocked. Yeah. Full on blocked. Yeah. That's usually when you're trying to force yourself to write something. So there's been some instances where like summer holidays at school or whatever, and I obviously I didn't write as many songs back then anyway. Um, but there has been some instances where, like right, I'm going to write a song a day, and that can be quite hard work. Yeah. Because like you're just lazing around the house and you, you kind of bit lacking on like new inspiration mm-hmm. but actually that process usually leads you to something quite interesting after you've done like three or four bad songs yeah. so it's impossible to get stuck in terms of like being able to write any song it's, it's a bit like Seth Godin says like a plumber doesn't get plumber's block like he can keep plumbing it's like you could keep writing you could just write a terrible song so yeah. um, that's the thing, that's mm, the thing. if you're willing to make terrible stuff then that like like not to use more plumbing analogies but that like clears out the pipe a little bit <laughs> if you haven't written in a while you've got to like knock out a stinking song um and then like the good stuff starts coming two three four later wow from what i've seen about the in the kind of songs that we write you normally bring a sort of partially finished song to the table mm. and we would hash that out do you find that um bringing in other people can help i.e. me, <laughs> can help um, um, uh, change the creative process or help you finish a song. I think so. I think it. Mm. think that gives me the impetus to finish something. And, like, people are different. Like, some people who write their songs have, like, a really strong vision. So when they bring it to other band members, their uh, idea of that is to instruct the other band members to execute this, like, perfectly. Whereas, like, I don't hear, like drum fills in my head or I don't hear good ones anyway I I hear some sort of James <laughs> drums to them you know um, good fills <laughs> yeah it's just, the just yeah just the rest of it <laughs> it would all be a fill um but I yeah I quite like the as long as it's sort of well either either if it's true to the original idea like the original vibe I wanted or I still can feel like um I can keep like the melodies in or, or whatever. Like, still the the essence of the song that I liked is still there. 
and quite chilled about like the other stuff and so yeah usually adding another person does take it to a place either i wouldn't have thought of in Mm. usually a much better place so um yeah other people like usually helps but like we're only a two-piece band right now so that's quite easy in terms of just being two people to bring a song because like you're mostly adding sort of you know obviously drums and then kind of other just ideas of structure or like little melodies or just like vibe ideas and stuff um so it's quite an easy sort of process to to work through whereas when you have to teach it to like multiple people that's quite a different dynamic Mm. (laughs) um so bringing songs to a band where like you may not be singing the song or um you have to try and like communicate the vibe to everyone you have to like send out a demo and everyone has to tell you whether they think it's good or not in like the naked form um that's a different dynamic and that's maybe a bit easier to get blocked Mm. that's interesting um i think it helps that we i mean in terms of the Sukuneko partnership it's good that we um i think because we've known each other for so long we trust each other Mm. and that makes it a lot easier to create together Mm. um yeah i mean from from my perspective whenever (laughs) my my, my creative process is a tortuous <laughs> experience, <laughs> but I definitely find it refreshing to bring someone else in. Um, mm. And I mean, we've only, I've only really done it with you, James, but to get your mm. take on something that I've been creating, mm. um, be that a drum part or be that a, the most tortuous is the uh, videos and the graphics. Mm. <laughs> um, I find it refreshing. Mm. What I find quite hard is getting... <laughs> getting my art to a point where I'm even happy to show it to someone because mm. <laughs> it takes me ages to get to a point where I'm happy enough to show it to mm. even you James mm. and um, uh, I'm still working through that I, d- I don't know how to um, kind of have more confidence in what I'm creating because I normally spend so much time agonising over every detail mm. <laughs> to the point where I really don't like it and I have to take some time away from it mm. So, I get blocked quite a lot in that perspective, in, the, in, mm. in, in that way. So does that happen all the time with visual stuff? Like, is that just part yeah. and parcel of the process every single time? Or is there some stuff where, like, you're happy with it most of the way through? Mm. So I think it's important to take it back a step. When I think of something creative, um, similar to you and words, actually, I often, I often like, see something in the world. Mm that looks great or looks looks interesting or I'll see some sort of art or uh, some kind of animation style that really inspires me and I'm like, whoa, mm. gotta, gotta make that. Um, so I have, when I start making something, I have quite a clear vision of what I want mm. it to be. What I quickly realise um, as I start trying to make it is that... <laughs> I don't know how to make that perfect vision. I can't execute that vision. Mm. So I end up in this middle ground where I'm where I'm sort of muddling about, trying to find a way to make that 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 image or that that thing I have in my head. Mm. And I often spend a long time fumbling around there, and I would create something completely different. I'd see something else that inspires me through my creation, mm. um, through my sort of fumbling, and I'd end up in a completely different place to what I originally intended. So you never hit your original vision. Your original vision starts you on a journey and then you kind of end up somewhere that you can get to 
halfway, but in a different direction. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I don't know. That, that, that sounds unsatisfying. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm not. I'm not. I mean, maybe that's why I hate most of the work I'm creating at the time because it's not what I want it to be. Yeah. But when I look at look back at the stuff that I made, like the the video for Blind When I See This, no, not that one. The video for Bugs That Breaks. Mm. Um, I think that's great. Mm. Um, and I don't even know what I wanted that to be when I first started. Mm. Um, looking back, I think it's great now. Um, a lot of the artworks for the albums that we release, um, I look back and I think they're great. Like the album cover for the Jam Experience Volume 2. Mm. That's great. Mm. Um, but I didn't know what I was going to create then. Yeah. So I find it really great when I <laughs> finally show you something and you sort of get me out of this mm. rut. Mm. I think we had that with the artwork for Blind When I See The Sun, actually. Mm. I was a bit stuck on that one. Uh, mm. and, and, and we just got, got our heads together. We figured it out. Mm. So that's one side of my creative process. The other side is, is the drumming. Mm. Because this is the most... Um, it's, it's, it's the complete opposite. I don't even think about what I'm playing. Mm. It's, a, it's a very sort of visceral thing. It's like, oh, I hear something, then it comes out. And mm. that's it. I never think too hard about... Um, creating the part that I'm going to create mm. I would normally hear a sound of roughly what it would be in my head and I'm like mm. ooh let's try and do something like that and then that sort of comes out and um, that, that, that's what the fill would be mm. I, th I, I think um, a cool example of that um, are the fills in Blind When I See The Sun uh, streaming mm. on all uh, <laughs> platforms now <laughs> They all are. All the platforms, <laughs> that, all the people on the platforms are all streaming it. Um, Blind Man See the Sun, because there's a couple of fills in that that are really cool. And um, we got to the, I, th I think when uh, James first showed me the song for that one, um, you basically, <laughs> there was the line, um, you'll go blind when you see the sun. And after that, there's sort of like a, break and I was just like, oh that's a great place to add a sort of Keith Moon like fill mm. um, and I don't really know how I came up with the fills I was just like messing around and they just sort of came out mm. um, I think for that one I did sort of try a few different variations and mm. uh, I, I picked the two that seemed to come out and sound the best but um, there was no planning on that one so mm. that's almost the opposite there's no vision but I do it anyway and it comes out and maybe that's why I'm far more satisfied with my drumming mm. Um, in terms of the parts that I play uh, with the artworks and the videos mm. because I normally have a really strong vision for those but then I can't execute mm. and I get miserable. Mm. Vision's a funny thing because mm. it's hard, you, I guess you're never in anyone else's head so you don't know what like vision means to Jeff Bezos or something or to Stanley Kubrick or because yeah. it seems that some artists have like a really specific thing and the, when it, when that work becomes a classic, everyone's like, oh my God, they thought of this before. And now it's now exactly what they pictured is here. And that's why it's great. Mm. Um, and then there's other artists who are like, I didn't necessarily have a, a vision or the, it evolved. And I think this is more, pe more people in reality. I think it's easy to say like, after the fact, this is exactly how I pictured it in my head you can never really verify whether that's true or not but like things are always going to change when they hit like reality when they hit like when you're actually listening to the song at the drum kit rather than like listening to it in your head or something you know mm -hmm. um so whether 
whether you need to hit your vision, I don't know. I think it's detrimental if you stop if it stops you like releasing stuff because you're sort of mm. saying like I have this vision but I don't know how to make it. Mm. So it's kind of your ability, either your ability to draw or the not kind of really understanding what your vision is mm. um, that stops you from finishing stuff. So in terms of blocks, I sometimes have the I don't know what end result I want. Um, so sometimes if you're stuck, it can be good to sort of bring in a like, well, when I'm, when's going to be the end point when I'm happy with this? So like with mixing, mm. mixing songs, it's very, very hard to know when it's done. Particularly, uh, I mean, you can sort of get to the point where you like play your mix versus other radio mix song, like other songs that you like, and either it sounds like them or it doesn't. Um, but to be honest, at this point of us like making songs, none of them sound like, oh my God, the bass is like 10 dB, like too loud or, or it's all out of balance or it just sounds shit. Like yeah. they all sound pretty decent. But, and so you start getting to like edges and you're like, oh, this song's a bit more trebly. And so you sort of match it and then you compare it to another song, which is not as trebly. You're like, oh, mine's too trebly. You kind of end up oscillating around all these different things. And um, sometimes when you mix to like correct a certain sound, you'll overdo it and then like something else gets buried and you actually end up like adding two hours of mixing from when you were in final tweaks like so all of that to say like sometimes a slightly compromised or, or kind of just coming up with a final vision or or an okay i'm stopping at this point sort of thing can help because to be honest being prolific is where you then gain the skills that next time you have a specific vision you've got the right circumstances or the right skills to actually like achieve it um i can and so it's probably just time and just releasing more stuff i think Mm. to really like get over that initial problem because i do remember listening to green day songs and whatever when i was 12 and going like how do they write a song like that and how do they get that sound and Mm. um and you still have that a bit but now like the margins get finer and finer of just like I'm I'm happy that you know if they played one of our songs at a party or something it wouldn't be like it wouldn't sound like a teenage band and it wouldn't sound like we recorded it in our basement like it would sound pretty good and to be honest we, I'm now worrying about details that people can't even tell the difference of yeah, okay. um, <laughs> so I send Harry mixes that are pretty different and he just goes like yep like it <laughs> all good please just good fucking go. finish it ship that tomorrow um, so I'll listen to it again the next day oh, it's, it's muddy and cloudy and it's all it's all gone to shit. Start again. Um, so, yeah, I think one thing with getting blocked is if when you're stuck in that hole, it's like, okay, find myself a finish line. It might not be the perfect finish line. It might be, oh, fuck, like, I'm going to be disappointed by this. But, like, if you let go of that expectation a little bit and go, like, move, like, being prolific as a higher priority than perfect, perfect vision at this time and just go, like, well what's better like me spending five more weeks on this and getting quote perfect whilst torturing myself in the process or is it getting something that wasn't what I originally envisioned or I can't reach where I hope to be but like this is where I'm at now and I know that if I release this now uh, fast forward five weeks I'll be a better artist and I'll be creating better stuff Mm. yeah to sum it up forget quality over quantity go for quality through quantity yeah yeah exactly. was it, is that Seth Godin Seth, or is that Godin, yeah, yeah, Seth yeah. Godin I love that it's, it's, that's mm. a great um, I just mm. 
think it's a great sort of philosophy to go by. I think um, I, I think un underlying that is the idea that um, is the fallacy that you'll ever achieve your perfect goal. Mm. I think that um, it doesn't matter how hard you try on something, you it, it, it will never be perfect. Mm. Um, so you've got to release it. Mm. So if you're prolific, that your sort of baseline standard of work will increase and increase mm. just because you're doing so much stuff and you're not blocked and you're spending mm. so much more time making as opposed to being blocked. Mm. Uh, so I think that that's the best way to make great art. Mm. The other thing I'd say, which we've talked about before, is like limitations and deadlines. Um, so, I mean, I personally hate those things because <laughs> <laughs> like my personalities, I really like possibility and ideas and mm. opportunities and just endless options and new things like my mind really likes sort of new ideas and that kind of thing which is yeah why one of the reasons why i'm like creative um so i kind of recoil at the idea of like schedules deadlines structure um and limitations and artificial you sort of think oh the best art i'm gonna make is when i have all the best like paints in front of me be that real paints or like uh instruments or Mm. Um, plugins or whatever um, and it can be the same it can be the same with ideas or uh, to less less so than equipment but it can be the same with this could be this but it also could be something completely different to this vision or it could, it could be anything I could make anything right now that can be that can be where you get blocked because you mm. can keep going around in circles and there's nothing to really stop you mm. um particularly if you don't feel like you can hit your vision if the narrative that's like in your head is like oh i'm getting worse i'm hating it more just keep going round and round and round and round um but yes, yeah, yeah. So, so if, if you've got um in, instead of waiting for the perfect or creating the perfect thing you're waiting for the perfect gear or the perfect um equipment to make your art like the perfect guitar whatever it is or the perfect plugin and that could yeah. even when you have that it can be to the, to the detriment of your creativity. I'd say either if you're waiting for that, so you're like, I would make my album, but I need better mics. Or you've got shitloads of mics and you're trying to pick which one to use because you want to get the right one on the album. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I have that a bit with like music software, but I like, try different things and I'll do a mix that I don't like the sound of and I'll sort of go like, oh, it's because I use like, this, these sounds and I'll like try it with something else and um, I mean not to go too deep into the audio stuff but like it's it's kind of fucking hilarious because some of these a lot of these companies sell like old but emulations of old equipment right um, particularly like desks so like you can get a simulation of a Neve desk or an SSL desk or a Trident desk or these are all like recording consoles back in the sort yeah. of 70s and whatever when you had to record through a console and they have a certain really nice sound and they're incredibly expensive yeah. they're like so, so, so a desk is something you plug microphones into which yeah to plugs record into the tape machine which then records the yeah and then music. you also mix it so you go back through the desk to like yeah. balance levels and equalize and compress and, and do like different things to the audio to get to the final like mix yeah. basically like polish with it but the, these were like really high-end bits of equipment they had like a really distinctive sound yeah. so now you can buy pretty good emulations of all of these things to like mimic the sound in your laptop mm. um and it's kind of hilarious because people like buy all of these things i mean i've got a lot of them 
and they'll argue about like this is good for drums but this is good for vocals this is good for this genre this is good for this genre but actually like if you think about what those original business equipment that were designed for they were designed to have en- they were designed for a studio to have a desk and anyone who came in would record through that same desk be they like a rock band be they a opera singer be their classical music and shit um so it's just funny now we can collect all this gear until like a pretty good stand like pretty close like you could probably shoot it out against the main thing and like even audio engineers would struggle to tell the difference between the computer version and the real version let alone like normal person in a normal song Mm. um yet like we (laughs) us crazy audio nerds spend all this time like arguing online about which one's better and they have like 60 they've got all these different Neve emulations of like through the ages of each preamp and like you just forget that if you were an actual studio that had one of these things you would have one of these you'd have like a few compressors you'd have whatever and it's just like day in day out like work just mixing finishing songs and they don't worry about that like they do worry about equipment but they don't like we can infinitely collect like digital stuff and so that's a particular audio problem but like it's sort of the same with like video or art or anything the possibilities that you can ha- the options that you have to change it up that almost you can never like quite master your tools because there's just an infinite amount of tools there's new LUTs that you don't know about that are cool there's new like plugins and software or like yeah. new ways of doing transitions that you don't know about so this so it's a really long winded ramp but it's just like the uh, this idea that you're trying to get to a vision but you don't know how to yet that can stop you making something cool with what you've got now um and that it can be a block just because the the rabbit hole of what equipment should I use to make this is endless and mm. full of people who haven't made a song this year. <laughs> mm. Great for procrastination. It's amazing for procrastination. And it is fun and it is interesting. Like I know a lot about all this old gear and they and it does sound a bit different. Like all of it does sound a bit different. Mm. But that doesn't mean that you could not, if you were fucking had a gun to your head, make any type of song in any time in like three hours or whatever on mm. one of those bits of equipment. But we refuse to like, because we've got all these options, we refuse to see it through and commit to one, you know? Yeah. Um, but that goes against the logic that we just talked about. Like, you release a song now as like almost like a favour to next year you. Yeah. Because next year you is going to be making music too. And are they going to have two albums under their belt and be on to the next one? Are they still going to be on this fucking one with the same, like, China same songs and just, yeah, yeah, trying to get the last 5% where you could have been, like, mm. 500% growth because you've moved on to a new album and you're, you're doing something. If you release it and you've got feedback on the songs and mm. we just, we want to be perfect. And if, you're, if you release something, you'll get the truth. <laughs> Yeah, because you... <laughs> of how you are that's now. That's the thing, isn't it? Because we can, I, I can never tell how good our song or our video is going to be yeah. until it's released. And sometimes what goes well is so unexpected. Yeah. Square One is the biggest example yeah. that we have. Um, we did not expect that to be our most listened to song. Yeah. Um, so I, I think what you've got to there, James, is really important. When you're creating something, you actually have no idea of what's going to be good. Mm. Mm. and you just have to release it to see what works mm. and that's how you iterate and get better mm. through the feedback of other people because pe- generally you're, you're a terrible judge of your own work because mm. um, either you think it's the best thing ever or you think it's the worst thing ever that's mm. in my, my experience it's like amazing or really bad and 
there's no sort of in between and often you're overcritical or mm. yeah. yeah John Mayer's talked about this some of his hit songs are it's almost like he's a bit of a few steps ahead of his fan base in some ways like things that he finds interesting because obviously to him like the most interesting thing is him pushing the edge of something him trying something he's not done before um, but he in getting to that edge he can also just spit out songs that to him are quite generic but to everyone else are mm. like perfect versions of what he used to be good at you know what I mean <laughs> he's mastered a certain type of pop song yeah. to, that to him is probably not as interesting as it is to the general public who enjoy that song so he can throw those out so something to him that's a throwaway like oh I read that in five minutes and like oh it's kind of I've I've done been there done that <laughs> yeah. but to them it's a you know to a lot of people so he was actually talking about the song Who Says which I don't know if you know that song no um, it's one of his most popular songs and he's just like oh I didn't I wouldn't have put that on the album kind of thing wow. and there's so many examples of that it almost didn't uh, another one bites the dust like almost didn't make it on the album and it was like the biggest hit yeah it's yeah you can't predict it um and that's why you should release everything and just get on with releasing stuff as much as you can. Mm. Um, it's a numbers game. Particularly when you're not trying to, like, you're not going to sell, like, big records anymore. Particularly when it's not like this record costs 100 grand to make and it has to do well, mm. you know? Mm. Um, you'll find so many classics that just, like, weren't destined to be classics. There's very few that were, in a, you know, like a follow-up to a big album and it was even bigger. Yeah. Or like they, they topped it with the with that pressure or with a higher budget or whatever. Mm. Like it's generally in some sort of lower pressure or like underdog status or yeah. like just I don't know, just a, a moment of inspiration rather than like they're expected to do really well. I mean, maybe that's why the Beatles could like knock out so many good albums in that short time. It's just like they did they did it so quickly that like you couldn't really think about it. It was just like new songs like they they were making albums as quickly as they were like evolving as people in that mid sixties scene. So like, imagine if they they'd had a five year break like from yeah. sixty five to seventy like, and you'd try to knock all those albums together yeah, like. And the hype would have built up, and it would have been like yeah, over those five years. Beatles are weird. Well, I've no idea how they did that. <laughs> it was just it was just the way. Sort of eight eight years or however long. It, it was because like, I'm not gonna go on a Beatles rant, but it was because in those days like you. You th- right, mate. Random sound coming from that. No, top of this. Um, there's no more animals. Um, ah, living in a London flat. Um, could be to be the fridge. Um, yeah. So it was just like a, a pop group in those days. Like usually lasted a year to eighteen months. So you sort of had to cash in. Oh my god. Um, yeah, you you would blow up and then you would wow. and there'd be a next thing and so wow isn't that familiar everyone's like pop acts were one hit wonders these days but that was what it yeah. was like yeah yeah um so <laughs> they they like... thought the bubble would burst at any point so mm. get get your albums out while you're while you're hot and get all that money because you'll you'll just yeah, fade pe- from people get bored basically yeah so the av- that was the average kind of tenure of a pop group so no surprise they did two albums a year because that might be the only two that you actually get on the shelves kind of thing. Wow. Um, I didn't realise that the lifespan was so short back back then. Um, is that, I don't think it's necessarily changed that much. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. For, for being a big sensation, loads of money kind of hit. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. Um, 
those artists that last that long like we've had a few we've had a few from that era like last till now which is quite unique i think mm. for their music to sort of age well um and plus like you wouldn't keep those old records in the stores if you get what i mean like if, if a new mm. group came along older groups kind of get phased out a little bit there's literally like a restricted amount of room in stores where yeah. the difference now is you can access any music from any era quite easily yeah and the same thing still happens as people rise to success super quickly and they go viral mm. and then they drop out it's a bit like a novelty yeah. so anyway that's like one of the reasons i think they might have made loads of great albums they had to make them quickly so you couldn't really like think about it you didn't have time to get blocked um and they were playing all the time you know they were gigging and stuff all the time so it's just like this whirlwind so don't even necessarily recommend that but like that leads me on to the other thing that i'll touch on briefly is like deadlines so set just setting yourself like a time to finish something i mean square one which is our like we talked about before but it's like our best performing song by a decent margin people really like that song um it was thrown together i mean the song took a little while to form but the recording of it was thrown together like yeah while we spent ages laboring over another song that we don't even acknowledge exists now. We don't <laughs> we even play. We haven't played that song in ages. We just don't like it. Um, and then it was like, oh shit, we have to record this other song in the last like 20 minutes of that session. Um, and just literally sketching out what the verses are going to be. Just like, oh yeah, we'll do a verse, and we'll do a bridge. It's like, go, 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 go. That's our most played song on Spotify, by far. Yeah, so, <laughs> I've also noticed our top two both have us on crowd tracks. Really? Mm. Wait, number two is level up. Yeah. So James and Harry crowd tracks. Maybe crowd it's tracks. us hyping ourselves up. They love yeah. that. <laughs> crowd tracks. We still a live album, but as, up, of yeah. us as the crowd. <laughs> level up was crazy in a couple of minutes as well. So we've kind of proven that point that like, yeah, it's all about flow. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, people talk about Muse and some people have quite a religious view on, like, how creativity comes to you. Mm. Um, but, yeah, over-analyzing stuff. I mean, I, I, you know, with my guitar playing stuff, I haven't really learned, like, that many scales that formally. I'm picking them up now, but I already play half of them. I was like, oh, that's, that's what that's... That's a, that's a scale when I play that little thing. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think over-analyzing stuff kills a lot of creativity. Mm. Because creativity comes from... Uh, your subconscious in a way you can't mm. sort of mm. th- th- think about what you're going to make because then it would just be crushed by sort of expectations mm. and you you wanting it to be the best thing ever it would sort of just stop in its tracks mm. it, it just comes from your um, subconscious in your sort of mm. li- lizard brain um, mm. so I've I, I've always believed in practicing hard with thought but performing with just without without much thought and letting it come out naturally. Mm. So you, you, your your point around scales is quite an interesting one. So um, if I were to be a guitarist, <laughs> mm. I would spend hours practicing the scales, so I had them in my muscle memory and they were just mm. sort of in, in in my subconscious and they're available to t- to pick. And then when I'm actually performing, I would just see what mm. comes out, um, and that's how I do my drumming. Yeah, I think a lot of people do do that way. I just I just learned by just playing and playing and playing and working mm. out what sounded good without being sort of told. Mm. And I kind of like doing it that way. Like if I was if I was teaching someone, I'd probably give them a bit more info than I had at the time. 
like a little bit more structure because you could probably learn a bit quicker that way. But also like the most, I don't know, the most like interesting or original guitar players, like I don't think they sat like formally practiced scales. Like I think it came through songs and through like a natural like thing about scales is you kind of end up playing like in the scale. Yeah, let, um, let, <laughs> let, me, let me propose that those are the most interesting guitar players to you. Um, I, I think that's great, like Jack Jack White and Neil Young. Even like Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy. like, do you think he sat and played scales? Well, probably not. No, they would play along with songs, mm. and they would kind of piece things together in their own way. He would have known yeah. the scales by the end, and he, and like, I mean, people who knew Jimi Hendrix said they, like, never saw him without a guitar. Like, he was always... Any party anywhere, he's like he always had a guitar. He just always had. He was always playing, always mm-hmm. playing. So I think that's that's part of it. But my perspective with drummers that I admire is different. Like mm. drummers that I admire, Nate Smith or Steve Jordan would have absolutely immaculate technique. They 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 know exactly what they're playing, and mm. they would know that it's whatever it is, whatever power did what they're playing or whatever type mm. of they're doing. They would know exactly what that is, and it's come to mm. comes from the technique. So my, 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 my idols are a different type than not Yeah, so yeah, I think, I think it's both. I don't think that's what gets you into it. I think I'm talking more about, like, when you first, like, learn it or you're first, like, developing your own style. I think, like, scales and formal training plays, like, a role, but I think sometimes it could be over-egged. Otherwise, like, all the best guitar players and drummers and songwriters all come from Berkeley or whatever, like, mm. the most formally trained people, but you rarely see that that's the case. Mm. Um they're probably good like session musicians they're probably sick of their instrument yeah. but like the most creative stuff just comes from pure like expression but they can't and, and they usually pick it up through music they're passionate about and playing along with it and that kind of thing mm. um, anyway it's kind of a side topic but have we covered creative blocks do you think we've done a good job uh, who knows the only thing we can do, James, is put it out there and see what happens. I feel a bit hypocritical sort of giving all this advice and go, like, I've still got lots of mixes to finish that should be finished by now. <laughs> and I'm in the midst of the music video for Blind When I See The Sun. And that's that, that's a joy. Mm. <laughs> You're so happy. <laughs> the, only, the only last thing I'd say, I guess, unless we have anything else, but the only other thing I would say is, like, it is sort of meant to be hard. I don't go in thinking it's going to be easy. Mm. You'll be seamless. Like, if you go in with a bit of a kind of slightly gritty I call it junkyard dog like kind of junkyard dog mentality you kind of gnarly kind of fucking bite your teeth in and have a go like <laughs> yeah. not like oh I'm going to be knocked down by the first setback sort of going like yeah you know what I'm going to fucking finish this thing like and be up like all night working on it and like don't be like oh that's against <laughs> I can't create if I have to really like go over the edge a little bit with it mm. um, if you go in ready for a fight with resistance and with like it's like, I almost find it easier to finish mixes whatever I go right this is going to take till 2 in the morning it's going to be 15 versions let's get version 1 done out of 15 like and if I prepare myself for that kind of fight like battle and it not be like this beautiful floaty creative thing um, that actually gets me stuff finished <laughs> I'm not, because I'm ready I, I'll do what it takes <laughs> in, rea- in reality um Rather than trying to picture this perfect process, I quite like that. 
I'm going to take that on board. I think that's great advice. It's a previous podcast. Is it? Yeah. Oh, and I listened I should, to The War of Art. and I, I listen to our podcasts. Got shit done. Um, that's, some, that's some good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was from listening to The War of Art. It's just like, yeah, you're going into you're going into battle with like the forces in your brain that don't want you to finish and create stuff. So mm. you are trying to come out with like a victory over not just like resistance in yourself, resistance in the world, like doubts and everything. Um, so you do have to kind of steel yourself against it. Mm. Um, and then it makes it more satisfying when it's finished. But like when the album's out, it'll be incredibly satisfying because I know like how much work went into it. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll be like super successful or like everyone's going to love every song or anything, but I'm going to go like, like this, you want it to be, uh, sorry, I'm rambling, but like you want it to be like, the edge of your comfort zone and it's basically like if it feels uncomfortable you're going to the edge of your comfort zone that means you're growing that means you're trying something new you're not knocking out something you can already do like 20 times so unfortunately anything where you're growing or getting better is uncomfortable so the other or and getting blocked and stuff is just you starting to push at those like limits um so you should try and program yourself to be like oh good like i'm i'm trying to break new ground here i'm growing and growing pains are painful <laughs> um so that's why you need the junkyard dog sort of mentality because you have to steal yourself to go into your discomfort zone if that's a zone that's a zone that's great i think that's a really great note to end on there's like i'm i i'm taking things on board there i think that's great um that's some of those things. I'm well read in this area. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, just, uh, it's just, you know, execution. The, the, um, the versions, the versions, <laughs> the, um, the, the, the riff you went on around stealing yourself for a battle. Mm. I'm, I'm taking that on board. I think that's great advice. And, um, also the... Just pop on War of Art while you're working. Yeah. Get the audiobook <laughs> and get Stephen Pressfield to go like, resistance a bitch. Are you going to take it down? <laughs> You're like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the piece, I mean, I'm, I don't know. And, and, and the piece around um, if you're out of your comfort zone, you're learning. I always take combat out of that. Mm. Which is strange. Mm. <laughs> um, but I, I find that a really useful tool mm. to employ because it's almost like a superpower. Mm. You're out of your comfort zone, but that's fine mm. because you're learning and that then becomes comfortable somehow mm. but you're still learning <laughs> mm. um, I think that's it James I'm no, going to go make a uh, Thai green curry I'm going to go finish some fucking tracks <laughs> <laughs> junkyard dog yeah stay out to 2am uh, <laughs> yeah that is mixing for me <laughs> you, do, you don't know what goes on when the lights go out <laughs> when no, you go to sleep yeah. and I'm there mixing it's, it, that's what it takes. The war zone out there. It is. But Any closing remarks? I've had a great time on this podcast, James. I think, uh, think we've done a good job. Yeah. Like, um, just blind when I see the sun's out. We worked really hard on it. I mixed it till two in the morning, so have a listen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it might be good. If they've listened to the end of the podcast, they probably listened to that song. Yeah. Maybe we have a separate following. 
Email us <laughs> if you enjoy this podcast. James yeah. at toucanecho.com um, and we'll oh. bop a little reply to you. James, I don't want this to end. We create a really nice atmosphere with this podcast. Do you want, to, got, do it, do you want to do another podcast? We've got, we've, got, we've got the red light, the purple light. I'm, I've just tucked in some whiskey. Should we do another podcast, James? Yeah. <laughs> Chain them. Double bill! Let's go! <laughs> <laughs>